there's something about lighting of the candles with Advent that is just so awesome. I just look forward to that every single year. Uh, and it's this whole time of year, Advent, it's full of fun traditions and fun festivities, is it not? As the song says, from ages 1 to 92, <laughs> we celebrate the coming of Christmas with Advent. It's, it's a beautiful time of year. And it's during Advent, this season of preparation for the coming of Christ. That's what Advent is. It's when we dust off our decorations, we put up our trees, we listen to the sounds of the season, which I've been doing for over a month, God bless my wife, and we watch the movies from our childhood. By the way, we watched a new movie called Spirited on uh, Apple Plus, if you haven't seen it, it's pretty good, Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds. It was pretty good. So if you're looking for a new Christmas movie, there you go. Uh, But one of my favorite parts of Advent growing up was the old school advent calendars. How many of you have done advent calendars before? Yeah, ours used to be taped to the door of the garage. You'd go out to it on the way to the bus. And some years we got really fancy and you'd open a door and candy would come out. Now, it was the worst candy in the world. It was like they forgot to put sugar in the chocolate or something. But still, I ate it because it was candy. <laughs> uh, I love uh, the advent calendars. I love those types of traditions. It meant that we were one day closer to Christmas. And as a child, that meant one day closer to presents. <laughs> well, you know, without whatever traditions, your favorite traditions of Christmas, it just doesn't feel like Christmas, does it? You got to have certain things this holiday season. For me, For me, there are some traditional movies that I've got to check off my list every Christmas. Growing up, my folks would always play religiously on Christmas Eve, It's a Wonderful Life. Now, if you don't know, my mom's birthday is actually Christmas Day. So it was the one tradition that we held fast to each and every year. She would pop in that VHS, then DVD as we migrated over the years to watch It's a Wonderful Life. And who could forget such an awesome movie like this scene? Now, if you haven't seen It's a Wonderful Life, shame on you. Here you go. Yes, spoilers. Look, Daddy, teacher says every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. That's right. Yeah, it's not really Christmas in the Strzok household unless an angel gets its wings with the bell ringing. So, actually, on the way to Canal Fulton this morning, I went past River Tree, and their sign every time a bell rings, an angel gets an earache. That's what <laughs> that's what their sign said this morning. That made me chuckle. Uh, who who could forget awesome moments in movies like that? That is, to me, the epitome of Christmases in the Strzok household growing up. But you know, if you can't tell. Christmas movies have a special place for me. Pop culture, uh, it's a little bit of who I am. I don't know if it's because it allows me to openly become a child again. Maybe it's like the old school claymation. They don't make animation like that anymore. You know, the old claymation moving across the city. They don't do that, no. No matter the reason, though, Christmas just can't happen without certain movies for me. How about for you? Is there a certain tradition or a song? Maybe it's a food that makes it more like Christmas. Maybe it's the Advent lighting. That means a lot to me, like I already shared. This year at Church of the Lakes, though, we are going to examine one specific book that was made into a subsequent TV special that has thrilled young people for generations after generations. He's a mean one. He's as cuddly as a cactus, as charming as an eel. It's the one and only The Grinch. The Grinch. And now, you may scratch your head, and you may wonder, why are we doing The Grinch as our sermon series during the Advent season. Now, I think we should probably put Christ in Christmas, yes, but I I believe, first of all, it's okay to have fun in church. It's allowed. I I haven't burst into flames yet, and I've had a lot of fun uh, this morning already preaching it once. Uh, But, you know, the second thing is, believe it or not, I think there's quite a bit of symbolism 
in the story of the Grinch that we can take away from and kind of decipher how Christ is involved in Christmas a little more than maybe our culture anticipates. After all, this Dr. Seuss infamous story about the miser who lives on top of Mount Crumpet, right, who wants to stop Christmas from coming for the Who's down in Whoville. The Grinch, it's just one of those movies that I got to check off my list each and every year. And it's on Peacock if you have that streaming platform. You can watch it on Peacock. And if you don't have it, I'll give you my subscription afterwards and you can go home and watch it right afterwards, okay? Now, my favorite, my favorite, uh, yeah, you, you know, be careful. I see your history of what you've been watching. No. Uh, you know, there's lots of iterations of The Grinch over the years, of course. The, the last version of The Grinch they did was back in 2018. We're actually going to watch that version of The Grinch after, uh, on December 11th, I think. I think that's a Sunday. Uh, so we're going to be meet back in here, have pizza, food, and watch the newest version of The Grinch. You know, my favorite version of The Grinch is still that old school special. I love that deep, low voice, that baritone of Boris Karloff coming through at you, telling you, you stink, stank, stunk, as the TV special said. Now, what you may not know about the movie over the years is Theodore Giesel, better known as Dr. Seuss, who wrote the classic story, he wanted to write the whole story because he wanted to push back against the cultural consumerism of Christmas. We think of that a lot with the Charlie Brown Christmas special, don't we, a little bit, pushing back against the consumerism of Christmas? That was the whole point of writing The Grinch for Dr. Seuss. But something you may not know about Dr. Seuss is he wrote it about himself. You see, Dr. Seuss had a personal disdain for the sound of sleigh bells. He hated sappy music, and he abhorred garish decorations. He hated all the Christmas lights. He was a miser during the Christmas season. It's kind of funny to think about, right? One of the greatest children's authors of all time being a big Scrooge during the Christmas holidays. But why did he? And why did the Grinch, for that matter, why did they hate Christmas so much? Let's take a look at the movie and see if we can find a reason why. Every who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot. But the Grinch, who lived just north of Whoville, did not. The Grinch hated Christmas the whole Christmas season. Oh, please don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. It could be, perhaps, that his shoes were too tight. It could be his head wasn't screwed on just right. But I think that the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart two was sizes. two sizes too small. But whatever the reason his Wait heart for his Here shoes, the real he star. stood there on Christmas Eve hating the Who's. Staring down from his cave with a sour, grinchy frown at the warm, lighted windows below in their town. For he there knew he is, the real star. who down in Whoville beneath was busy now, hanging a holly wreath. And they're hanging their stockings, he snarled for the sneer. Tomorrow is Christmas. It's practically here. Then he growled with his Grinch fingers, nervously drumming. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. <laughs> uh, 
Sorry, you guys have to put a, I don't know if Jared does this much fun stuff in worship, but I sure am. <laughs> uh, maybe his heart was two sizes too small. Maybe his shoes were too tight. His head wasn't screwed on just right. We don't actually know the reason why. And Dr. Seuss, that bothered him too. He never knew why he personally disliked Christmas. But you know, we could pile on top of them and speculate for further reasons why they don't like Christmas. But you know, there are just certain people who dislike Christmas. You know, I always hear that song running through my head. It's the most wonderful time of the year, right? I hear that song and then I scratch my head and I wonder, is that really true? <laughs> is, is Christmas really the most wonderful time of the year for some people? There are a number of reasons why, I, I hope you can tell why Christmas is special to me, but perhaps, you know, there are just sometimes, even myself, I must admit, that Christmas, it's a difficult season. It's a, dif it's a difficult time to really kind of deal with the emotions of the holiday. There are just some people who hate Christmas. The most wonderful time of year, I think it really can be a reminder as to what maybe is wrong with our world, maybe what's wrong with us, or maybe what's missing in our lives, why just everything is plain wrong. Christmas can be a reminder of all that. And there's one scripture story about the Christmas holiday, the, the narrative and the grander story of the nativity that we find this incredible hatred in also. You may not think of Christmas as this hate-filled holiday, right? But there is a story of incredible pain and just awfulness that comes out of Matthew chapter 2. Let's talk about it just for a second. Remember back to the Christmas story, okay? The Christmas story. Yay, angels and the manger and all that stuff. And then what happens is a couple years later, right, is when the wise men show up. Okay. Now, the wise men, on their way to see and pay homage to the new king, they went to where they thought the new king would have been born, which would have been the palace in Jerusalem. They thought it would be a royal lineage. They thought it would be born to King Herod. So, when the wise men show up and see no baby, King Herod colored me surprised, I suppose. He was worried that a new king had been born and it wasn't one of his offspring. So he was asking some inquisitive questions about the prophecies of old that the Magi had seen from the star in the east. And while the wise men, they were called wise for a reason, mind you, realized that they shouldn't tell Herod where he was from, they decided to go home a different route, right? Well, King Herod didn't react so gracefully in this season of his life. We're going to be reading out of Matthew chapter 2 this morning this painful story that we don't really read on Christmas Eve. Here, read along with me in verses 16 through 18. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he was infuriated, and he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had learned from the Magi. Then what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled, a voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they are no more. Friends, believe it or not, this is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be found holy and acceptable in your sight. For you, Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I think you understand why we don't exactly read Matthew 2 on Christmas Eve, right? Uh, a voice heard in Ramah, right? 
wailing and loud lamentations. Nothing says Christmas like wailing and lamentations, after all. Maybe after you eat great Aunt Sally's fruitcake, that might be appropriate to wail and lament about that. But, you know, what a horrific story. And just anger and disdain that Herod has for the Christ child, does he not? All coming from this place of bitterness and anger. You see, I like to think of Herod as the scripture version of the Grinch. This terribly bitter person who refuses to allow Christmas to come for himself and for others. Why? Why would such good news of a peaceful king born, why would that be met with such an openly hostile act? Was Herod's shoes too tight? Was his head not screwed on just right? You know, whatever the reason, I think what we might find is Herod had a great fear in his heart. Herod had this desire for power, and it prevented him to seeing the good things in life as truly as what they were, good news of Jesus' birth. Herod's hatred for this newborn, you see, it warped, it twisted his mind and his heart. It shrunk his heart, almost two sizes, as like in the Grinch's story. Hear me, friends. When we allow bitterness and anger and disappointment to brew within us, the same thing happens. It warps and twists everything that we see, the beautiful things in life all of a sudden become ugly. (laughs) It makes the peaceful things hostile. It makes the Savior an enemy. That's, That's how hate works in your heart. That's what happens. There is nothing else in the world that can warp our relationship with God more than hate. Paul, we just got done talking about Romans a couple of weeks ago, and and Paul implores us to reject evil and to hold on to what is good. In Romans uh, chapter 12, verse 9, Paul writes, he says, let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Now, for me personally, when I read verses like that, I have a hard time interpreting the scripture a little bit because for me, I just can't believe that someone would choose to embrace evil on purpose. Maybe I'm just naive. Maybe I see the world with rose-colored glasses on. It's just so hard for me to understand why people would choose evil over love. I, I can't fathom why that would happen. But you know, I think for people like me, maybe a little bit, we begin to understand that from the human condition, we see that disdain, that hate, that anger, that bitterness, it all brews up from poor life circumstances a lot of times and unmet expectations. We're going to dive into that a little bit this morning. Okay, for instance, can you imagine the bitterness and the anger that would have poured out from the families of the infants during this time in Bethlehem? (laughs) Every male infant under the age of two would have been taken from their home. Jesus is only spared, our scriptures tell us, is because an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph and they flee to Egypt to get out of Dodge. Imagine, imagine if you were in that situation. Imagine what your reaction might be. You might become full of bitterness and anger and that might feel the righteous thing to do with that spirit, right? (laughs) You know, Herod, he was full of that bitterness and anger. That's often what happens when we have unmet expectations and poor life circumstances. The expectation is that your newborn child is going to last forever and forever and forever. Your expectation that child is going to have a better life than you could have possibly ever imagined. That's the American dream after all, passing down a, a better life to our children. Not that he would be so cruelly taken away. How many times in life 
do we feel that it's necessary to act with anger and bitterness and resentment because of unmet expectations? For instance, I know for me personally, I get upset and really struggle with my loved ones and people in our faith family when they become sick and ill. That's hard for me because our expectation in life is that we're going to be happy and healthy physically, mentally, emotionally forever. (laughs) Oh, that's some pie in the sky, isn't it? We know that's an unrealistic expectation, right? But we still hope for it. We still wish for it. (laughs) We still yearn for it. Another one of our expectations in life is that someone's going to love us for who we really are. One of our expectations is that our job is going to bring fulfillment each and every day. <laughs> One of our expectations is that, especially for millennials, and a millennial is speaking of, you know, one of our expectations is that we're going to have incredible life experiences each and every day. It's a new adventure out there. <laughs> That's not how the world works, friends. <laughs> there is danger, hear me, in unmet expectations and how we react to them. Our unmet expectations can cause us to become disappointed, lethargic, and hate-filled people, just like the Grinch, just like Herod. We think we deserve certain things in life, don't we, at times? (laughs) Now, I hate to be the bearer of bad news and the Debbie Downer this morning, but that's not the case, is it? We don't ever deserve anything. (laughs) No earthly thing in this life, from jobs to education to relationships with our family, with our spouse, with our friends, none of those things are a God-given right to you or to me. No, you have to realize they are a blessing. Each and every day that we get is a blessing, friends. They could be here today and gone tomorrow. Or they might never come, which is really hard to swallow sometimes. I know in my life, I made great grand plans at the age of 18. Who doesn't? Age of 18, there's a lot being asked of you to plan in the next season of your life. You know, my expectation was that I was going to go to the college and university of my choice. My expectation is I was going to graduate with a degree in teaching. My expectation was that I would use that to get a local high school job where I could coach cross-country and track and field. Now, if you know a little bit about my story and know a little bit and look around, and I'm pretty sure that I'm not in a school building this morning, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that I didn't get to choose the college and university that I expected. I'm pretty sure that I'm not coaching right now. Quite frankly, My life, because of my own personal failures, hear me, has come up, I've had a lot of unmet expectations. Now, with the power of hindsight and years of distance a little bit, and sometimes that's what it takes, years of distance, I have found it to be a blessing that I've had unmet expectations. I would have never have met my wife without unmet expectations. I would have never have met such amazing people here at Church of Lakes without unmet expectations. I would have never found God's purpose for my own life without unmet expectations. It's funny how God works, right? Kind of ironic. He can use our unmet expectations to help bring us closer to hear me, not maybe our personal purpose, what we want for ourselves, but for his purpose. Do you see the difference there? Do you see the difference of how God works with unmet expectations? (laughs) You know, in the Christmas narrative, Mary's expectation was that she was going to become married before she got pregnant. Well, guess that wasn't God's plan. Joseph's expectation in the Christmas story was that he was going to break off the engagement. That wasn't God's plan. 
Herod apparently thought he was going to be king forever. <laughs> that was his expectation. It wasn't God's plan. Friends, you have to realize that the Messiah, the Savior for the Jews, was supposed to be this, this knight that rides in on a white horse to free them from the Romans. That wasn't God's plan. Do you see it? Do you get it? Unmet expectations sometimes are the very thing we need in this life. Our practical guidance for today, the tool that I want to give you for your toolbox to take home, is to realize that you can't allow yourself to become bitter or angry or disappointed in life. You can't become like Grinch, the Grinch, or you can't become like King Herod when you have unmet expectations. That's not what our God wants us from us. No, I get that sometimes it's disappointing when we don't get what we think we have deserve or earned or want. I get that. I understand that. But we can't allow that to make us become this green monster that we read about in our pages. Our heart is too small for others. You know, at this time of year, unmet expectations during Christmas, they're kind of a, a unwritten, unspoken truth of this time of season. You know, for me personally, I'm sure Stephanie's been dropping hints over the last couple of months of what present that she wants for Christmas from me. Friends, I'm in trouble. I haven't caught in the drift yet, and Black Friday's already come and gone. <laughs> I don't know about you, but my expectation on Christmas morning is to sleep in a little bit. My expectation is to have, you know, impeccable food. That's my favorite part about Christmas, the food. But hear me, if you come to the Strock household on Christmas, you're going to have unmet expectations because I guarantee that I'm going to be just as surprised when the kids are opening their presents as what they got as they are. <laughs> I don't know what the, I got them. <laughs> I, I don't know about you, but my kids are going to get me up way too early on Christmas morning. Even when I tell them they have to stay in bed till 7, we're going to be up at 5. I just know it. <laughs> I can't even promise you that the food's going to be good if you come over. But you want to know what? I'm going to have a blast on Christmas. You want to know Why? Because I know what the real reason for Christmas is all about. It's all about our God coming down to earth in the human form. It's all about the incarnation of Jesus Christ here in this life. And hear me, nothing, no Grinch, no King Herod, no terrible food or drink like eggnog and fruitcake can take that away from you and it can take that away from me. We need to keep that perspective during this Advent season. We need to remember that unmet expectations doesn't mean that our God doesn't love us any more or any less. The Grinch, he should have known that. He should have known that he couldn't stop Christmas from coming, but by God, he's going to try, as we discover in the next couple of weeks. He let that anger and that hatred brew within him and turn him into just a complete, utter monster. And you know, unmet expectations, they remind me of this children's book that we read to our kids every Christmas. We read this book called Jesus' Christmas Party. It's by uh, Nicholas Allen. It's a clever book. It takes the nativity story and it puts it in the perspective of the innkeeper, the infamous innkeeper, Linus, in the Charlie Brown Christmas story. It's, it's this innkeeper that has these expectations for what this night is going to entail. He knows because of the census that his inn is full. His expectation is because the inn is full, no vacancy, right? That he's going to have a great night's sleep, unbothered, unencumbered. And all of a sudden, when he gets into bed, he gets this knock on the door. 
And he sees this young couple who he's like, well, I got no room for you, but here's two blankets. You can go sleep with the animals in the stable. And he trudges back up to bed to go to sleep. Next thing he knows before he falls asleep, there's another knock on the door. And it's, it's the same guy again. And, and he's wondering why. Why is this guy bothering me again? Oh, he needs another smaller blanket? Oh, come on, man. Don't you have enough blankets? I already gave you two. Sends him on his way with a blanket and begrudgingly goes back upstairs to go to sleep. Only for a little while. That is, until the light starts shining brightly through the window and wakes him up, in which he angrily runs over the window, slams it shut and closes the blinds and rolls over to go back to sleep. Once again, until there's a knock on the door. This time, it's some smelly shepherds that he doesn't even want to go answer the door for. He just yells at them, they're around the back, leave me alone, I'm going to bed. (laughs) And then once again, he tries to go to sleep until the heavenly chorus begins to sing outside. And finally, the anger, it's risen to this type of level (laughs) for the innkeeper. And he stomps his way down the steps, throws open the door, goes to the back of the stable to give this young couple a piece of his mind. That is until, until he sees the infant born laying in the manger. At that moment, his anger just begins to melt away because he realizes what's really important in this season of life is the birth of this young child. An amazing gift from God. That's what the baby Jesus is. The expectation for the innkeeper, of course, was to get a good night's sleep. Friends, I've never been so excited for unmet expectations. And the innkeeper, I think, would agree. (laughs) His anger began to grow and grow until he sees that infant Jesus. Jesus is how, friends, we overcome unmet expectations in this life. When everything is wrong with Christmas or life or family or work, whatever, whatever is wrong with your life, just remember that keeping your eyes on Jesus, is how we overcome this world. Amen? Let us pray. Lord, we celebrate this week of Advent with the theme of hope. Hope that is given through the gift of your son that was born all those years ago. Lord, as we wait for you to come back, we know that this season of hope is to be carried out into the amazing places that we go each and every day. Give us the strength and the courage to live that out in our homes, our schools, our workplaces. Lord, we love you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.